Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Dealing with the concept that we're entitled First Things First, and it consists of uh, establishing a mindset that I believe that needs to be brought back to the body of Christ. Uh, that I'm afraid that we may have substituted the kingdom of God for religion. And there's no power, there's no freedom, amen, there's no deliverance in religion. It's a ball and chain that we drag around of obligational duty and we never get to experience the fullness of God. So it's been our goal over a series of of preaching to be able to establish that fact. So we're going to ask you to go with us this morning. Grab your Bibles and open with me to the book of Matthew chapter number 13 and verse number 44. Amen. Of course, we're going to make it easy for you. I'm going to try to keep you up with scriptures. If you don't have your Bible or if you just want to write the scriptures down. I want to challenge you as a body in, in studying your Bible this year. Amen. Is, is anybody in this building just ready for some productive change? I mean, I know you're ready for change in your finances and your relationships and hopefully in your health. I pray this would be a year that we would get our health under control. Amen. And God has given you the power and the ability to do so. Amen. But, but I feel like there's a shift in the spiritual atmosphere that I don't know about you. I don't want to go through another year just reading the Bible. How about you? Amen. Uh, uh, Just because it's what we're supposed to do. I want this year, I want the Word of God to come alive to us. Because only when it becomes alive to us will it begin to produce life in us. So this year, be careful. You may have to shake yourself. And I'm not just going through like I did last year. I'm not just going to play the games and sing the songs and and move my mouth. I'm going to pursue Him with everything that is within me. Amen? Let, let, let that be your pursuit. Amen. Having said that, our, our title of our series is First Things First. Matthew chapter number 13, verse number 44 says, again. And I want you to know it said again because Jesus, I think, he, in about six times in this chapter, Jesus is trying to describe the kingdom of heaven. So he said probably the best way to describe it is if I can uh, uh, parallel it with some things that you understand. That's what a parable is. And he did it over and over and over to help us to understand exactly what is the kingdom of heaven. So he starts this verse over with again. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. A treasure is a great accumulation of wealth. Not of just monetary value, but value that is sentimental. The kingdom of heaven is like something that is so valuable to you. So valuable that there ain't enough money on the earth that could touch it. It it, it goes beyond what I could pay for. Amen. It's a sentimental value. How many's got things in your home or in your possession that you couldn't sell it on the market for for over a few dollars, but to you it's worth millions? Anybody? It's just a, a, a sentimental value. He said the kingdom of heaven is like this, or it should be to us, that it has so much value that I wouldn't sell out for anything. Oh, man, I'm preaching already right there. 
I wouldn't sell it. I wouldn't give it up. There ain't enough temptation in the world. There's nothing the enemy has to offer. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in the field, that when, which when a man hath found it, he hides it and for joy. Somebody shout joy. And for the joy thereof, he goes and sells what? He sells what? He sells everything. He sells all he has and buys the field. Verse number 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Goodly actually translates beautiful and having intrinsic value. The value is within itself. It don't need nothing on the outside to make it value. Its value comes out of it. When a merchant is looking for uh, goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold. Oh, y'all ain't going to be quiet on me today. I'm going to pull it out of you. All that he had, and he done what? He bought it. Let's pray together. Father, without your spirit and your anointing, we cannot expound upon a subject so deep. So, Lord, we're asking for an anointing to be able to teach it, a mind to be a spirit to be able to receive it and translate it into our mind that it becomes a conviction in our lives, Lord. Grant it right now. Let us leave here richer, possessors of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. But while you're being seated, high-five your neighbor and tell them first things first. First things first. We've been dealing with the concept of the kingdom since January 1st, and we've been basing it off the scripture in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 33. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And we've learned that if making the kingdom of God, and this was the first sermon, a priority in your life, meaning nothing should uh, trump seeking the kingdom. So we, we've learned that if making the kingdom of God the first priority of pursuit in, uh, uh, is the requisite of divine additions according to the scripture, then we must fully understand what is the kingdom of God. And we discovered so far that the kingdom of God is not a religion. Somebody repeat it with me. It is not another religion. We did not need another religion. I done taught you that religion is the most divisive institution ever known to man. Amen. It, it goes beyond dividing us by race. It divides us in our families. It divides us in our cultures. It divides us in the body of Christ. It is divisive by nature. May I submit to you right now, and I don't want to get hung up on this, that if your religion is dividing you from believers in the body of Christ, or should I say your theology is dividing you from members in the body of Christ, then you have failed for religion and not kingdom. Because the kingdom has one king, and it has one blood, and it is one nation. Uh, is anybody with me? Amen. I don't have time to work that like I want to. Amen. But we've discovered that the kingdom of God is not a religion, but it's a realm. It's a region 
established and ruled by God himself. Isaiah prophesied about this new order of government in the ninth chapter of his prophetic book. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the what? The government shall be upon his shoulders. In other words, the well-being of this realm will be the full responsibility of God himself. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish with judgment and justice from hence more forth even forevermore. And I like the way he ends this prophecy. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I done taught you that the, the, the prophecy of the coming kingdom was so governmental by nature that when the, the disciples joined up with Jesus, they thought they were joining a governmental coup. They literally thought they were joining their leader who was coming because this, this, this uh, last line of this prophecy says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Well, Lord of hosts in Hebrew is Jehovah Shaboth which actually means Lord of the armies. So the prophecy said that there is an army coming. It's a precise declaration. Are y'all with me this morning? That there is about to be a governmental coup, amen, and it's gonna be led by God himself. That's what the disciples were waiting on when Jesus showed up. That's why when he walked by Peter and said, come and follow me, he dropped them nets and his daddy understood because he said, I'm joining the army. That's what he was doing. It's draft time. I'm just, I'm just joining the army, and we're finna take back our nation from the Roman government. But what they didn't realize, Jesus didn't come to overthrow an earthly government. He come to overthrow a demonic government. Because remember, uh, in the book of uh, Genesis, uh, when Adam handed Satan the keys... Amen. He handed Satan the keys to the world and he become the God of this world. So when Jesus came, he came to overthrow an established government to establish the kingdom of God. Isaiah made it very clear that there would be a new government that is about to be established on earth. Now, last week, we took a glimpse of what this new government was going to look like and how you could recognize it. Remember, uh, John was in prison and he told his disciples, he said, go and see this Christ and see if he is the king and that this is the government that I preached about. I want you to go and see if this is the kingdom that I was preaching about when I got put in jail. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the disciples came to Jesus and said, John's in prison and he wants to know, is this it? Is this the kingdom? Is this the kingdom that, that, that he preached about? And Jesus said, go tell John the blind are seeing. Go tell John that the deaf are hearing. Go tell him that the lame are getting up and walk. Go tell him that the lepers are being cleansed. Go tell him that the dead are being raised. Go tell him devils are being cast out. In other words, John said, that's it. That's the kingdom of God. That's the power of God manifested to overthrow the demons of hell. 
In the book of Luke, the Bible says Jesus on the Sabbath day went into the, uh, the temple as his custom was. He, they brought him the book of Isaiah and he opened it up to the book of Isaiah chapter number 61 and he began to read the scripture. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to set the captives free, to open the prison doors to, do, to those that are bound. Now, what you got to understand about this concept is, is that kings were always anointed with oil to initiate their reign. So Jesus was standing in the synagogue that day saying, God himself has anointed me. Not a man, not a prophet, not a priest, not an organization, but God has anointed me to come and establish a kingdom to open prison doors and set the, those that are bound free. He said, the kingdom is now come. Jesus told that religious crowd, he said, if I'm casting out devils by the finger of God, there's your witness, the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. If demons are being overthrown, then the kingdom of heaven has come. Amen. Now, based on what I've said so far, I wonder how much religion we have versus kingdom. Boy, y'all are quiet this morning. Amen. Are we really seeing the kingdom? Or have we established a religion so that we can scratch a religious itch week after week after week rather than seeing the dominating power of God come and establish his rule and his reign in our midst? This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, when you pray, pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. He said, pray that order from another world would be established in the world you're living in. Amen. He said, pray for the kingdom come, amen. Matter of fact, he told his disciples, go heal the sick, cast out devils, set the captive free and say, that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom, amen. Religion is founded upon words, but the kingdom is founded upon action, amen. Matter of fact, Paul said it. He said, the kingdom of God is not in words, but it's in power. I declare unto you something's been missing in the body of Christ. It is the demonstration of the gospel we declare. Well, ain't nobody gonna help me this morning. Amen. But the problem is we've been content. We've been content with religion and we forfeited the power. Can somebody shout Amen. So the, the kingdom is a new order of government. Uh, it's a kingdom of freedom from the bondage of sin, sickness, disease, depravity, addiction. This kingdom is an earthly extension of, of, of heaven and of heaven's God. This is the message that Jesus came preaching, and it's the same message he told the apostles to preach. But this, this, listen to me now. Let's take it to the, ne the next level. This, this new world order, this new form of government, this new kingdom ruled by a new king was only half the message because the message gets better. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, but this kingdom is unlike any other kingdom. This kingdom is not made up a bunch of serving slaves. This kingdom is made up of a bunch of reigning sons. Catch this revelation this morning. The kingdom is a king, amen, who's not ruling subjects. The kingdom is a king who is ruling with his sons. Oh my God, somebody ought to say thank you Jesus about that right there, amen. 
So the kingdom is not about slaves, it's about sons. The kingdom of God is made up of a king and his royal family. Amen. Look to your neighbor and tell them you got royal blood running through your veins. Amen. That's why we call each other brother. That's why we call each other sister. We haven't been called into a religion. We've been called into a royal family. That's why your Bible says in the book of Galatians that a son, amen, that a, that a, that a, uh, a son, as long as he is a child, is no different from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but he's under governors and tutors, amen. In other words, when you're born into this kingdom, amen, you're not taught a bunch of rules and regulations. You're being conditioned to know how to reign, Amen. That's why, that's why you, when you come into this kingdom, you just can't act like everybody else and you just can't do like everybody else and you can't go where everybody else goes because you're being conditioned to begin to step up and reign with the ruling king. Oh my God, this is just too much, isn't it? Never, never has there been a message like this preached since the beginning of time. Look at this, John Chapter number one, verse number 12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Amen. That word power means right and the privilege. He gave you the right to be a child of God. He gave you the privilege to be called a son of God. Amen. I'm afraid we've lost touch with what the true gospel is. Listen to this. First John three of one. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Amen. Uh, can y'all wrap your minds around that? Amen. I'm, I'm an adopted son. I was adopted literally uh, uh, by my, 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 my stepfather, if you will. Amen. And, 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 and at first, there's a stigma with that. Amen. There's a stigma that you were without and someone had to take you in. But then I begin to realize, amen, Josh is not an adopted son. He's my son because he's my biological son. And, and and, and I didn't really have a choice. He just came. Ready or not, here I come. And I belong to you. So it wasn't a matter, amen, of, of loving him or not loving him or wanting him or not wanting him. Here he came. And of course, I'm about to grow to like the guy. But when you're adopted, the father don't have to adopt you. Oh, I wish somebody, have I got any adopted people in this room this morning? Amen. He didn't have to adopt me. Amen. But he took me in a lawyer's office. He laid the money on the desk. He signed it over and he gave me a last name. He gave me a last name, not because he had to, but because he chose me and said, I'm going to take him and I'm going to give him my name. Can I tell you what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that he would allow us to be the sons? You better wake up in this building this morning. This is the good news of the gospel that I have been given the privilege to take on the name of my God. Oh, my God, I'm telling you, I tell you, I, I just got happy studying this message. I don't know where you at this morning. Look at this. Galatians 4, 7. 
Wherefore, you are no longer a servant. A servant right there is in the Hebrew or Greek, doulos, which means to enslave. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, you are an heir. Somebody shout with me now. You are an heir of God through Jesus. In this kingdom, you are no longer a slave to the bondage of sin. You're no longer a slave to the bondage of addiction. You're no longer a slave to the bondage of insecurity and oppression and depression. You are no longer a slave to the God of this world. Are y'all with me this morning? Amen. Why? Because you have a new king ruling and reigning over you. And what makes it good is the king is your father. My God. Listen to this. Romans 8, 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption where we cry, Abba, Father. Let me tell you what, the Jews took pride in their patriarchal lineage when they declared, Abraham is our father. The Samaritans took pride in their patriarchal lineage when they said, Jacob is our father. But in the kingdom of God, we declare our royal lineage when we say, God is my father. My God, wrap your minds around that. In the Samaritan world, you were somebody because of who your father was. In the Jewish world, you were somebody because of who your father was. Well, in the kingdom, you're somebody because of who your father is. Now, I got a long way to go, but somebody needs to get that word right now because I don't care what the world's told you. I don't even care what mom and them told you. I don't care what society tells you. It may tell you you ain't nothing and ain't never gonna amount to nothing. I come to tell you, you're not somebody because of what you are. You're somebody because of whose you are. Oh, somebody ought to praise the Lord right now. Amen. You're somebody because of who your daddy is. My God, in the Samaritan world, you were entitled to some things because of who your father was. In the Jewish world, you're entitled to some things because of who your father was. But in the kingdom, you're entitled to some things because of who your daddy is. Amen? I said, there's some things you got coming to you that you don't even realize. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't even deserve it. I don't even deserve it. Amen. I don't even deserve it. It reminds me, my God, I got to move, but it reminds me of Mephibosheth. You ever heard of Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth was a little baby when the kingdoms of, of Israel got overthrown and the nursemaid was running out and he was of the royal lineage and the nurse was running because the, uh, the enemy was about to destroy him and while she was running, she tripped and fell and broke his legs and crippled a little Mephibosheth and all his life he lived in obscurity out there and he was all crippled and he felt like he wasn't worthy for anything amen until David took the throne and when David got the throne he said I want to bless I want to be a blessing I want to be a blessing to the royal lineage of Saul is there anybody out there I can bless and somebody said you know there is a little Mephibosheth 
He's the last surviving uh, uh, kinfolk to the, to the throne. Amen. He's crippled and living in a little old hut out there. He said, go get him and bring him to me. They brought on Mephibosheth in there. Amen. Set him at the king's table. Can you imagine how he felt? Here I am. I'm crippled. I'm less than everybody else. I don't belong here. Amen. I've been living like a pauper and a beggar until he come to the realize it's not about me. It's who my father was. Somebody needs to get comfortable in the blessings of God. Somebody needs to get comfortable. Uh, but you don't understand. I messed up. I blew it. I'm crippled. I can't walk it like everybody else walks it. Well, David just picked him up and carried him. I'm telling you, you're serving a God. Oh, somebody help me. Amen. Then it ain't about how you walk. It's about how he walks. Somebody ought to shout in this place. My God, high five your neighbor and ask him, do you know who your daddy is? Ah, hey, I ain't talking about your earthly father because some of you are sitting there saying, well, it could have been or uh, uh, come on, let's just get real. Let's just get real because literally, and I hope mom don't hear this sermon, amen, but that's the way mine was. It could have been them or him or, did I say them? Oh, my Jesus. Amen. Some of you don't know, and you may never know, but I got the good news of the gospel of the kingdom that you now have a lineage. You, hey, you now have roots. You can run all the way back to the cross. Amen. And you can say, I may not can say Abraham's my daddy. I may not can say... This is too real to be spiritual, but it's real. Amen. But I can tell you, so all of you orphans who thought you were orphans, when you come into this kingdom, you ain't an orphan no more. Hey, somebody ought to help me in this place. You ain't an orphan no more. You have a heavenly. I guess that's only good to us adopted folks. You have not received the bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, and the Spirit itself bear witness that our spirit that we are the children of God. In other words, it ain't just something I'm saying. There's a spirit in me that I act just like my daddy. Well, that's where we ought to preach right there. Amen. Somebody, some people's claiming sonship that acts like. Thank you, sister, on my right. He said, he said, it's the spirit bears witness that I belong to him because I started acting just like him. I'm just prone to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. Oh my God, that's worth preaching, but I ain't got time. Hey Amen. We got religions that's trying to figure out how much sin you can get rid of. But in the kingdom, you cannot sin. Some of y'all still don't know about that statement. That's what your Bible says, that if the DNA of God is in 1 John, if the DNA of your father is in you, amen, you cannot sin because his DNA is in you. I have found out since I got born into the kingdom, I can't be a drunk no more. I can't be a whoremonger no more. It just ain't in me. Is there anybody else in this building? It just ain't who I am. And when I slip up, and try to do something contrary to the nature of my father, it brings conviction in my life. Huh? Tell your neighbor it's the proof. 
It's the proof you're a son. It's the proof you're a daughter because your whole spirit's changed. My God, can we go a little further? Stay with me. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. The word heir is kleronomos. It ain't just any church you can go learn Greek. Somebody say it with me. Kleronomos. You now have a second language. You are an heir. You are a kleronomos. You are a sharer or a possessor. He said, if you are an heir of God, you're a joint heir with Jesus. Joint heir means to share or possess together. In other words, in this kingdom, whatever the king owns, you own. Whatever power and dominion the king has, you have. You are heirs, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. He said, even when we were dead in our sins, he quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and he raised us up together, made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In this kingdom, you're not slaves, you're not subjects, you are sons, and you have been positioned in a position of power, dominion, and authority in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel of the kingdom. This is the kingdom Jesus was referring to when he said, go with me now, seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. Look, let's back up, digress just a little bit. Seek ye first. The word seek means to inquire, it means to desire, it means to endeavor to find or gain by any means necessary. You got to get a hold of that. It means to consider something so valuable that you're willing to give or do whatever is necessary to acquire. That don't even sound like the same gospel we're preaching today. We're, 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 we're preaching about a country club that you can come and join, amen, that you can come and join that's all about you. And Jesus preached one that you got to realize the value of this kingdom to the point to where you're willing to do whatever it takes to be a part of it. If they got a nursery or if they don't got a nursery, I'm going. If they got benefits at the church or if they don't got benefits at the church, I'm going because I'm after a kingdom and it ain't about what it can do for me. Amen. It's about what it means to me. Oh, somebody's got to get a hold of this. Amen. So as a result, we're peddling a cheap kingdom that has really cost a whole lot more than we're willing to pay. And in peddling a cheap kingdom, we ended up with religion. Wow. Mm. Are y'all okay? 
inquire, endeavor to find or gain by any means. It means to go after something at the expense of leaving or losing something else. Seek ye first the kingdom. It means to go after at the expense that something else is going to have to be laid aside, but I'm going after this kingdom. Facebook may have to be put on hold today. Amen. My text and you may have to be put on hold today. I'm after one thing, and that's the kingdom of God, and I'm willing to give up anything it takes to be a part of it. This ain't going to be popular today, I can tell already. It means to go after something at the expense of leaving or losing something else. Amen. We want to come into this kingdom and bring our, 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 our live-in with us. We, 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 we want to bring all of our garbage with us. And really what I'd rather do is add Jesus to my world rather than leave my world to go to Jesus. Because you see, I don't understand the value of what you're preaching. My God, help me now. So Jesus said, uh, uh, when he said seek, he was saying that, that the kingdom can and will only be required or acquired by those who will do whatever is necessary to get it. Can I go deeper? And listen to this. The price that one is willing to pay, the price that one is willing to pay will always be in direct proportion to the value you place on a thing. You hear me? If we're going to walk in breakthrough this year, we're going to have to get away from this. I didn't have time to. I didn't have time to pray. I didn't have time. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to be in a relationship with God. I don't have time to give to him. My God is quiet in this place, amen. Hey, listen to me. The problem is we haven't put our values where they need to be because our values is on our own lives rather than a relationship with Christ. So there'll never be an appropriate search for the kingdom until there's an appropriate appraisal of the kingdom. My text Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field, which when a man had found it, he hideth, and for joy he goes, sells all he has, and buys a field. The fact that the man found the treasure is the proof that he was looking for something. He was searching for something. He was after something. He was hungry. Is anybody hungry in this place? Are we fat on our religious traditions? And God help me this morning. Are we just fat on our religious traditions and our cliches and amen? Uh, are we looking for something greater than our local church? Are we looking for something greater? He said that, uh, uh, that when he found it, it means the man was in search of something of great value. So in this scripture, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure of great value. Uh, and it was a wealth so understood. It was a wealth so recognized, amen, by the searcher that he was willing to sell everything he had just to acquire this great kingdom. And the Bible said he sold it with great joy. In other words, there wasn't no remorse involved in letting go of some stuff. There, there, there wasn't no remorse. There wasn't no miserably reluctant letting go of something to acquire, uh, acquire this great kingdom. There was no, I'm going to hold on to some of my stuff uh, and let just enough go so that I can have some of this kingdom. It said he sold everything with joy. 
And that word joy means cheerfulness and calm delight. And the reason he was to let go of everything he had in order to obtain and acquire what he wanted is because he understood the value of this great kingdom. He understood that what he was giving up could not compare to what he was gaining in his life. He said, my God, when I consider everything I have and who I am and I see the true gospel of the kingdom, amen, of, 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 of eternal sonship with the king, amen, he said, I count all of this stuff as nothing if I can attain Christ. The reason he could do it with joy and cheerfulness and calm delight is because he measured the value of the kingdom so much greater than the value of this world. Somebody say, help us, Jesus. He said, stay with me just a few minutes. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all he had and he bought it. Jesus said, this kingdom is like an extravagantly valuable pearl. So valuable that it's, when it's found, it's worth selling everything that I can lay hold on it. I'm afraid we've re failed to recognize the value of this kingdom, and as a result, we tried to acquire it with half measures and ended up with religion. I'm gonna say that again. I'm afraid that we so underestimated the true value of the kingdom that we tried to purchase it with our half measures, and what we got is a whole lot of religion and not much kingdom. He said he sold everything. Look at this scripture. The law and the prophets were until John. But since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man is pressing into it. That word press means, it actually is the word translated violence. Catch this, I'm gonna let you go. It's the word violence. It means to push against the opposition with violent determination. The root of this word biozo is bios. It's where we get the word biology. And of course, we know biology speaks of life. So when Jesus said the law and the prophets were until John, but now the kingdom of God is preached and every man pressed into it, he was saying that they so saw the value of it that they violently have pushed against all opposition to get to this kingdom, even to the point of death. They said, not only are we willing to lose some stuff and houses and lands, not only are we willing to give up monetary things, but we're willing to give up our lives to have this kingdom that you're preaching about. Wow. They said, we're willing to give up everything. Matthew 11 and 12, last scripture. From the days of John the Baptist until right now, this is in the Amplified, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, suffers violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Listen to me for a minute. We always use this scripture out of context. 
that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. But what this scripture is literally saying that when the true kingdom is preached and presented, that men with a, an almost violent nature will say, I gotta be a part of that kingdom. And the violence is not against God. It's not against people. It's a violence against sin. It's a violence against opposition. It's a violence against anything that would keep them out of the kingdom of heaven. Is anybody listening to me this morning? I'm afraid we're not preaching a kingdom that people will violently press through that door saying, I got to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that, amen? And if I have to give up my old lifestyle, if I have to give up sin, if I have to give up my bad habits, you know what? That don't amount to nothing compared to what I know is in the kingdom of God. Oh, my God, amen. Uh, they were telling me about a, a, a certain church, amen, uh, uh, that, that people are standing at the door two hours before the doors open, and they're pressing their way in because they know that the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in that place, uh, and souls are going to be saved, demons are going to be destroyed, bodies are going to be healed, lives are going to be transformed. Can I tell you, this is where we're headed, Life Church. We're headed to the place where the the true gospel of the kingdom is being manifested and you won't be running around your community knocking on doors saying, would you join our club? Amen. Uh, uh, they'll be coming from miles around saying, amen. Uh, the prophet said, they'll be jerking on the skirt tail saying, I want to know this God you know. My God, hear me this morning. I want to know this God you know. I want to be a son. I want to be a son of the most high God. And if I got to give up an old lifestyle, it don't amount to nothing to the new life he's going to give me. My God, hear me. I got to quit. We got to turn this thing to realize what we're promoting is a religious theology that has no power rather than a kingdom that turns us into sons and it turns us into daughters. We're heirs with God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Boy, wouldn't that be a good problem to have? To have to knock the walls out of the back so people could get in. Wouldn't that be a good problem to have if we could get our king back on his throne and become the sons he's called us to be? The Bible says they will press into it. Amen. It's actually the picture of an army that's trying to press their way through the gates to seize a city. Oh, to have sinners pressing their way through the doors of our churches saying, I got to know this king you know, and I got to be a part of this kingdom that you're a part of. Now we're kind of marching around from church to church, finding out what I got to give up to be able to go to that church. And if you're asking too much, you know what? I can probably find me one down the road that don't require quite as much. He said, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached, when it is declared, when we come back to realize the value of this kingdom our sacrifices will turn into offerings of great joy. Stand with me all over this building. The Doug, the Bible says that when they found it, they didn't have any problem letting go of anything they had because they realized they just found something that is so much more valuable. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. 
more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.